In this Climate Gen episode, I'm introducing Alentejo in southern Portugal, declared in 2005 as one of the most climate vulnerable wine regions in the world. The Alentejo region has been seeing temperatures rise and drought conditions intensify as rain patterns become more erratic and extreme. In June, I'll be releasing a series of nine recordings from my visits and interviews with producers and members of the Wines of Alentejo Sustainability Programme and climate scientists looking at how they are responding to the emergent climate challenges. In the next Climate Gen episode out this week, I'm speaking with Professor Kevin Anderson about his recent research paper on phasing out fossil fuels to stay within the 1.5 degrees Celsius obligation that governments set out in Paris in 2015. This is a detailed conversation where Kevin talks about our current predicament being the worst of both worlds with dire consequences and less carbon budget available to transition to clean energy. What follows is the typescript of my overall response to the presentation given in London by the Wines of Alentejo producers. I have been commissioned by the Wines of Alentejo Sustainability Programme since last summer as an external observer and communicator in order to document what I learned from a road trip across the region in conducting a series of interviews. There's so much discussion around climate and sustainability now that it can feel like a deluge of words that don't always equate to anything close in terms of action being taken to resolve the climate emergency. And it really is an emergency. I interview climate scientists on a frequent basis and produce a parallel podcast series of these discussions. One thing to remember that has been repeated to me over and over again in the last few years is that climate impacts are arriving faster than forecast. It turns out that the Earth's sensitivity to greenhouse gases is much more than previously thought. This sensitivity can be witnessed in the type of extreme weather impacts we are seeing more of, like droughts or floods. We are currently about 1.1 degrees Celsius above the global mean temperature since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. During the UN's COP21 in Paris, it was agreed that heating above 2 degrees Celsius was too dangerous for humanity, and vital tipping points or thresholds would be crossed, pushing global climate into a new heating phase. Scientists have since highlighted that this figure is too high and we must now do all that we can to rapidly reduce our emissions and stay beneath 1.5 degrees Celsius, global mean temperature rise. In an interview earlier this week with Professor Kevin Anderson of the Tyndall Centre, he said that we are currently emitting around 40 billion tonnes of CO2 into the atmosphere every year, and this is likely to rise over the next couple of years. The IPCC, a group of climate scientists informing the UN process, has created carbon budgets that identify how much carbon dioxide can be released before we cross the vital threshold. At the current rate of emissions, we are using up the whole carbon budget within 10 years. We are literally burning 0.9% of the global carbon budget every month. If we reduce our emissions to zero within that time, then we have a 50% chance of holding to 1.5 degrees Celsius. These are terrible odds, but every 0.1 degrees Celsius rise in temperature from where we are now really matters. We are starting to talk about completely different planetary climates that we're moving to, that civilization is going to be forced to adapt to, and quite likely will lead to chaos. Alentejo has long been identified as a climate-vulnerable region for viticulture, most notably in a scientific paper published in 2005 by Dr. Gregory V. Jones et al. 
Today we realise that pretty much all regions are vulnerable to certain degrees, and it is no longer about the future. Impacts are here. During my visit, one thing that was very clear is that everyone I met acknowledged their vulnerability and was totally focused in responding to the emerging challenges. An easy way to think of it is that these estates of fertile cork oak forests, vines, nut trees, olive groves and more, are literally our last line of defence as the Sahara Desert sweeps northward into Europe. With it come the long consecutive days of rising temperatures and drought conditions. Rainfall becomes more erratic and intense. With every one degree Celsius of warming, atmospheric moisture increases by 7%, driving the extreme nature of downpours and destructive storms. As part of my podcast series, I interviewed both Dr. Gregory Jones and Professor Kimberly Nicholas. Professor Nicholas has been doing work on looking at regenerative farming and defines it as working with nature as opposed to working against nature, the latter being something we have in many recent years become very good at. In Alentejo I saw incredible regenerative efforts on some wine estates and others starting to implement similar techniques. Witnessing firsthand was encouraging thriving ecosystems in an area where I was expecting to see desertification. At the estates of Herder de Coelhoche, Grouche, Casa Clara, Michel, Edega Mare and others, I saw living systems being nurtured by humans who are very aware of the challenges that are building against them, pushing back against the climate stress that was already occurring. It felt a lot like human intelligence finally forging a partnership with wisdom and concluding there is a hopeful future. Of course, every living system has thresholds which, when crossed, cannot survive. But if these early adaptation efforts become established, then perhaps they can be built up, layer by layer, so that the Sahara remains stopped in its tracks. The Wines of Alentejo Sustainability Programme was initially set up to mitigate climate impacts, providing knowledge and resources to meet the challenges I've mentioned. The certification side of it came later. With everyone I spoke to, one feature of the programme became increasingly clear. If you want to accelerate the rate of change, then you need to think differently. The WASP manager, Jao Barroso, had picked up his knowledge-sharing ethos outside of the wine industry and decided that it needed to be deployed among winemakers. In the last century, the ethic of competition and advantage over other people in the industry led the way. In the era of extreme climate change, 20th century thinking is no longer applicable and must be replaced by a new era of cooperation. By working together and building knowledge-sharing networks, the rate of advancement is speeding up. Many wineries in Alentejo are attending workshops hosted by the WASP team, as well as other experts. When one producer finds something that works, he contacts the others. Likewise, if something turns out to be a bad idea, why not share it so others can leapfrog the bad experience? This is an emerging zeitgeist that is today impacting human systems around the world in multiple aspects of our lives and industries, creating a much-needed, agile approach. The event in London was different to a lot of tastings in that it was, by definition, a conscious means to extend the knowledge-sharing network. The wines were there to be tasted, 
and the certified producers all gave a brief presentation on aspects of sustainability and were ready to discuss in more detail throughout the evening, including over dinner. The UK is a vibrant and informed consumer market, and so it was great to see how inquisitive and engaged people were with a range of related issues. One question that came up during the presentations was the amount of trust that consumers have in back-label certifications. The example given was from the Seaspiracy movie, where tins of tuna were labelled as sustainable, despite the evidence that trawlers catching these fish were actually destroying ocean ecosystems. Consumers are immediately given the signal that back-label information is potentially greenwashing. This was an important question. The trust issue was one that came up early in my speaking with the WASP team. The answer we concluded a while back, and that I think still holds, is that the evidence stories of the achievements of producers working sustainably must find their way into the public consciousness. It is, without doubt, the job of communicators and influencers of all types, whether on social media, writing in magazines, speaking on podcasts, or at the point of sale, to be able to articulate the story of true sustainability and be a voice for the claims being made. In most cases, those with rigorous practices will be keen to tell those stories, but they need to find ears ready to listen. It's worth noting that the question was asked after Jao Barroso had emphasised that if any claim made by a producer that fits within the sustainability framework is made, then evidence to support it must be available. The question itself posed to Jao was immediately and rightfully bounced back to the audience. President of the Alentejo Wine Commission, Francisco Mateus, also pointed out that building trust and communicating each other's regional sustainable values is a global problem that everyone needs to address. As I said before, I believe this is the next phase of extending the knowledge sharing network. Another point raised during the dinner by someone at our table was that the wine world is comparatively tiny compared to many other industries, and at less than 3% of global agriculture, it is definitely small scale in terms of carbon emissions. That said, the climate emergency, as outlined earlier in this post, is one that is the responsibility of all of us high emitters to address. We have to decarbonize the whole of our society, starting with the wealthier nations who can afford to make the cuts. The wealthiest 10% of the global population are consuming 50% of the carbon budget, and the poorest 50% of the population less than 10%. It can also be argued that wine is a luxury product that is widely used by the highest emitters. The more that can be done to implement and communicate emissions reduction in the drinks business, the more, hopefully, likely it is that consumers of these products will take note. Even if the wealthiest high emitters do not take note, the impact on viticulture from extreme climate changes mean that the industry is going to become unstable, and in many cases unviable. This is a tragedy for wine lovers everywhere. On the last point of the risks posed to viticulture, it's worth noting that with the climate change that is now unavoidable, we are going to experience greater pressure on all agricultural systems, especially in highly vulnerable regions. Regenerative agriculture stimulates and encourages soil biodiversity and also creates a blanket resilience in the areas that are succeeding. This overlap or convergence between mitigation and adaptation is itself an accelerator for bringing more wine producers and consumers on board. In a stressed world, making changes that counter that stress is pragmatic and eye-catching. 
We all want to be here in 10 or 20 years time drinking great wines. But whether or not we are depends a great deal on the changes that we make now. By looking at all areas of our life through the climate lens, the colossal issue of appropriate action starts to recede. It does not go away, but there is a kernel of hope. For many climate scientists and people on the front lines of climate change, be it in viticulture or anywhere else, hope must be supported by reality, if it is to lead us to a safe and thriving living space. The wines of Alentejo have played an important leadership role in bringing best practices to London, a coalface of consumerism. This is the challenge of our time. Once seen, it cannot be unseen. And if you have read this far, you are now part of the Knowledge Sharing Network. So please, go forth and share. This segment was written by Nick Breeze. The Sustainability in Alentejo Wine podcast series will be released in mid-June 2022. The following is a list of the Alentejo wineries who attended in London. Hadeid de Rishin, Hadeid de Malhadinia Nova, Casa Clara, Casa Relvash, Hadeid de Lagos, Hadeid de Grosch, Adega Mer, and Hadeid de Coelhoche. Thanks again for listening. If you are interested to help support this series and help expand the discussion around climate topics, then please do consider backing my channel via Patreon. It will help me produce more content and you will also gain access to more expert interviews. It would be great to engage more with audiences too and understand your views on these topics.